church. Well, today is week number two of the story of Love Story, the series. And I want to introduce you to one of my pastors and coaches this morning that has really meant a lot to me and our church. He has been coaching our church. He is the very first art church. He was the, the original art church plant that started the entire art movement that we are part of association of related churches. He planted in 2001 with 30 people. Uh, last weekend, they had 21,000 people in attendance 12 years later. They're, they're really doing something right there for the glory of God. And he's got five kids, two in high school, two in college, one out of college. And I felt he has a little bit more to say on the subject today than... I have with a five-year-old. As many of our art churches are going through this series, uh, when I saw his week two, I said, you know what? We really need to listen to that today and hear that today. So week two, I'm bringing to you, it's Pastor Chris Hodges from Church of the Highlands. We're going to go live into their, or excuse me, into their service there in Alabama and listen to their week two of this series. And I know it's going to bless you. I know you're going to enjoy it. And I've heard incredible feedback last night uh, and this morning from the early service. So Pastor Chris Hodges. Hi Coastline, this is Chris Hodges from Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, Alabama. First of all, let me say how proud I am of what you're doing there in the North County area of San Diego. Now you probably don't know this, but there are scores of us all around the nation watching your progress and cheering you on. I hope you know that you're making a huge difference and you are led so well by your pastors, Aaron and Amanda. Secondly, I am so glad you're in this important love story series. Today, I'm honored to bring you the message on biblical courtship. So open up your heart to God's word and let's get started. I want to get right into the message notes. Grab the little message notes in your worship guide or if you're watching online, you can uh, download those right now and take some notes with me. Let's get started with the theme verse of this series. Uh, Song of Solomon chapter 1 verses 1 through 3. It's so good to see all of you here today. I think the record attendance is happening because the guys are very interested in this series. I just think they like it. All right. So here's where it starts. Song of Solomon. Solomon's song of songs is verse 1, which simply means that this is a song. It's a poem uh, song. It's written as an allegory or a metaphor. It's got a lot of symbolism in it. Uh, Solomon was a prolific songwriter. He wrote a thousand and five songs, First Kings says. And of all the songs that he wrote, this was the song of songs. And it says in verse two, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth for your love is more delightful than wine. What, what, there was, what she was saying right off the bat is what you learned and understood about love. Like you're the best lover. And I'm not talking about the bedroom. I'm talking about he just understood how to treat people. He understood what it meant to, to be in solid relationships. And I, and I would maintain that's where a lot of us either have not been trained or we have a lot of failed uh, relationships in the past. And so that's why we're studying this. But she said, man, you're, you're the best of it all. And then she says this. She says, pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Then that just didn't mean he wore a cologne. It meant, it meant that the way he loves, it spread to every relationship. It had, it had this effect on everyone. And I would just say very plainly, that's our goal for this series. We want we want you guys to be godly love experts where people are saying, my goodness, what, what happened to you? It's spreading everywhere. And then it goes on. It says your name, which means your reputation. So let's add it to the topic. Your, your reputation for love 
is again like a perfume. Everyone's getting a whiff of it and it's just amazing. It's poured out and then here's her conclusion. No wonder all the women want you. No, no wonder. You, 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 everyone would want to be a dad like you. Everybody would want to be a, a wife like you. Everyone would want to have kids like yours. I mean, he had just understood biblical and godly love. So this series is just a walkthrough biblical and godly love. What's interesting is, is this poem I saw it when I, when I outlined it. There are, there are six major topics, and it kind of takes you through the progression of a love relationship. Last week, week number one was the art of attraction. It was the first part of chapter one, first part of chapter two, where they just first meet each other and how they're attracted. And we talked about the art of attraction and, and, and how to look for the right person and what to notice first. And that was a great, it's a very foundational message if you miss it. And then today we pick up, now they start courting or dating. And so they're getting together and they start exploring with each other a bit. And is he the one? Is she the one? And so today we're going to talk about that. Next week, I'll just tell you, uh, next week is the honeymoon night. And there are about two and a half chapters of their, of their sex life. And it's very spicy. And out of all of the, the messages, it's the most PG-13 of them all. And so we're just going to read it just like the Bible says it. Um, but you need to understand godly sex and, and what, how God views it. He, you need to know he created it. The devil perverted it. But if you'll, you'll understand it God's way, it's the best part of your life. And it's much better than the world's way too, by the way. All right. So that's next week. And then they get in their first fight. That happens next. Chapter 5, he puts his hand through the door and she's mad at him. And so, yeah, so we'll see that. We'll deal with conflict. And then they finally kind of mature their relationship. And that's the last, that's the last two installments. So we're going to have a lot of fun with this today. Today, we're going to talk about, uh, it's probably the toughest assignment that I have in this series, actually, because what I'm going to share with you today, uh, at first glance, you probably are going to reject. Um, it's, it's, it's completely counter-cultural, even to Christian families. It's counter-cultural. Uh, we have adopted in our world today a model of dating that, in my opinion, is not very biblical. And we're going to look at their dating life. And I think there are some things that we can understand. But I'll just tell you up front, don't give me any pushback. Just let me reason with you for 30 minutes here. And if you not go, you're not buying it, fine. You know, I would say that, that what it's producing is proof enough that the world's way does not work. Uh, we have a, a, a trail of failed relationships. We have, we have a, a generation of teenagers that uh, 70% of them, 7 out of 10, are, are having intercourse before 19 years old. Uh, we have just a lot of failed relationships. Divorce rate is extremely high. And I maintain that the, cult, the, the, the current cultural understanding of relationships is what produces it. And I know I'm an ancient relic. You're going to look at me and go, dude, you're old fashioned. Doesn't work that way anymore. Grow up, Chris, you know, and I know that, but I just happen to believe that God might know more about this topic than the philosophers on MTV. I just think that I think I just do. I just do. And, um, I think God is probably smarter than Lady Gaga. I just do, you know, I just do. And so, so we're going to explore this a bit. So just go with me on this journey. Let me give you a, a verse that's not in your message notes. Uh, Romans chapter 12. And it just simply says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of the world. And so if you follow the world's way, it's, it's going to produce uh, bad results. But it says, let God transform you into a new person. And notice where that transformation takes place. It's not when you attend church or 
or when you pray, all those are important things. It's when you, you allow a new thought, when you change the way you think, when you allow a new thought, godly thinking. So I'm going to offer you some godly thinking as it relates to dating. Dating is kind of a relatively new concept. It seems very old to us. Didn't show up on the scene first until about 1920. Until then, it was a completely different model. I think it's the more biblical one. But in the current dating model, it's produced a trail of frustrations. And I want to dedicate this message especially to every single person, and especially to the single person who is living godly, and it's just not quite working out for you, and you're still single, and and I know how frustrating that is. I'm going to offer you some thoughts, because I personally think that the current generation has produced, no offense please, but a bunch of immature males, like, like the guys are very immature, what it's produced. So we have 27-year-olds still playing video games and has no job. And, and we have, they're immature in relationships. And so we have a lot of, of wonderful young ladies uh, with no suitable uh, spouse anywhere in range, you know. And, and the dating scene kind of did two things that I think are messing the whole thing up. One is it, it basically... It changed the whole experience where the, 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 the kid basically has it, is involved in it free of adult supervision. Better way to say it. I mean, just, just that, that I, I'm, I'm going to make these calls myself and I don't need you involved and I'll let you know when you need to know mom and dad. But man, don't, don't, don't question who I love and don't, don't get involved in my relationships. And that's probably one of the major characteristics of the current model that I think is very destructive. Um, and then it turned the whole game to from basically it was totally on her turf and she had actually a lot of ability in the relationship to it's completely a male dominated uh, culture now. So the girl pretty much waits around for a, for a proposal or an invitation on a date when in the other model, it, it didn't make them the victims that I personally believe that they are today. And so, again, I, to you young ladies, especially, uh, I feel your pain. I've been pastoring this is my 30th year of ministry. I was a youth pastor for 11 years. I mean, I've, I've worked with tons of people, tens of thousands of people in this. I mean, I know what I'm talking about, all right? And I feel for you, uh, especially for those of you who are very frustrated, you young ladies, especially when you're showing up at holidays and there's Aunt Martha and she's going to come up again and say, are you married yet? You know, and they're going to do that whole deal. And, you know, your, your cousin Jenny is, you know, and there you are. She's making you feel like a piece of unclaimed luggage at the Birmingham airport just going around the trailer. Nobody wants me. Nobody wants me, you know. And then, then sure enough, one of your best friends is going to come in. Ah, 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 and you're trying to be excited, but you want to punch her in the face. You know what I'm saying? You have all that. I get it. I get it. I'm with you. I'm with you. I feel you. Understand that. By the way, if you want, if you want a little piece of advice for for Aunt Martha, uh, next time you know you're at a wedding and she leans over and goes, "You're next." Just do the same thing to her at funerals. You're next. Right, it works. Just don't write that down, bad pastor. That was... <laughs> yeah, don't write that down. So here, let's get started. And here's how I want to unpack it. All right. I want to, I want to give you one thought that's going to kind of take us through the whole journey of this argument, this, this case that I'm going to make to you today. And this is one thought. And I, I put the verse in your notes. It's the only one we're going to use today, not in Song of Solomon. It's Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse one. And I just want you to get this mentality. It'll help me deliver this message today that there is a time 
for everything. In other words, not everything is done at all times. There are times for things, things when it's more appropriate in this time and not appropriate in that time. And then it uses this word, I'm entitled the message using this word, that there's a season for activities. There's a season for them. There are seasons when it's appropriate and there are seasons when it's inappropriate. And here's my case. I'm going to make it right now. And that is, I think that the current structure is the right feeling in the wrong season. Like you have genuine feelings for a person, but it's the right feeling, but it's the wrong season. Now, I always make the case, I've, I've said this for years, that parents... By and large, get the seasons right as it relates to raising their kids. So here's what we do, like academically. We understand that this is a season where we're going to make it really tough on you. You're getting up. I'm going to walk through the hallways of my house tomorrow morning saying, hey, time to get up. Daddy, I don't want to go to school today. No, get your tail out of bed. We're going to school today. And I'm not going to let them kind of have their way. No, I'm disciplining them forcing them. They would say it's actual torture. I'm getting them up out of bed, forcing them to go to school. And then when they graduate, you're going to get more schooling. I'm going to send you to college. We're going to study. We're going to learn. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to grow. We're going to get this right. Because if you get it right, you get to reap the benefits for the next 60 years of financial bliss and, and success in your life. So we understand this season. We do that physically. We do it in a lot of areas of the development of a young person. It's only in the area of the social side of their life that we do not adopt that principle. In fact, we have it completely backwards. We are literally saying to them by, by saying, and go ahead and get involved in a bunch of relationships. Go ahead and just, just have, have as many as you want because one day you're going to be tied down to one. So it's like live it up now because it's hell later. And so what we've created is a culture where we as parents even encourage our kids into scenarios at school and at events. And I'm going to say it, even at fraternities and sororities, we're encouraging all of this only for them to be used over and over again. Well, i got news for you. These, these students here that are baseball players understand this. You play like you practice. You play like you practice. We wonder why we have a 50% divorce rate. You play like you practice. So if you have a season of dating where I like you, I like you, have your way with me. I don't like you anymore. I like you, I like you, have your way with me. I don't like you anymore. I like you, I like you, have your way with me. I don't like you anymore. I like you, have your... If we do, what are we practicing? We're practicing whenever I'm done with you, you're disposable. And we're kind of confused while we have a culture of divorce. You play like you practice. Right feeling, wrong season. It's messed up. It's messed up. Now, I mean, you may not even like me after this message. Come back next week. Everybody's going to like me next week. You're going to have fun with that. All right. Come back next week. But I'm not going to pull any punches. I'm going to say it exactly like I believe it today and how I'm personally living it. And I know I'm an ancient relic. Uh, I, my, my family sort of understood it. Sort of. I, I went on my first date at 13 years old. I was in the back seat of a car trying to kiss a girl at 13. Now, I was a virgin when I got married. My parents raised me with a moral standard of 
But, buddy, I was trying to go as far as I could without crossing that line. It was my goal in life. And I had a trail of relationships that were failed, the greatest pains of my life, even the greatest memories of my life that, that plague me to this day, comes from that scenario. My wife, on the other hand, was raised in the culture I'm going to teach you today. In fact, I'm the first person that Tammy's ever been out with. I'm the first guy that's ever kissed, and the only guy that has ever kissed her in her life. And y'all know what that makes me? The best kisser in the world. That's right, baby. And it's God's way. It's God's, it's God's way. Now, before you get all condemned and think, oh my goodness, I've already messed up. You just got to me too late and you let the devil lie to you. Jesus makes all things new. All right. And we're not going to look back. We're going to take from this day and we're going to look forward. Okay. But you need to learn something because all of us have a role in this. Parents, this isn't a date message I can check out. No, need your help. Grandparents, uncles, aunts, friends, all of you have a role in this. And I'll show you where. In just a second, I want to show you the three seasons that this couple went through. Now, everyone goes through this first one. It's found in verse 8. It says, listen, my lover, look. This is her talking. Here he comes, leaping across the mountains, bounding over the hills. Oh, oh, my lover is like a gazelle, or he's a stud, man. Look at him. He is hot, 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 baby. That's what she's saying there, Okay. And then, he's, and then it goes on, it says, look, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows. He's not a peeping Tom. That's not what's happening here, okay? <laughs> Peering through the lattice, so he's looking. So he's, he's just hot after her. And my lover spoke, and he said to me, now he talks. He says, arise, my darling, my beautiful one. And come with me. Notice both of them are just mad, madly in love. Just, oh, blindly, madly in love. This happens to everybody. This first season you do is the next two that we don't do. But it's called simply the season of perfection. You're perfect. You're Superman. Oh, mama, you just ought to seem what I want, mama. I mean, it's that. Okay. And all the married folks, you just amen if I'm telling you the truth. He ain't perfect. Yeah. All the ladies. Yeah. Amen. Oh, I love this church. Yeah. Come on, guys. She ain't perfect. Yeah. I just created a fight in that home, didn't I? Right there. Right. None of us are. None of us are. But here's the problem with the first season is you think they are. And what dating then promotes is, I know better than you because he's awesome. Well, he ain't awesome. Three chapters later, he's putting his hand through the wall to get to her. And they have a fight. And he's physically involved. So he's not perfect. He's a beast. And they're having a lot of problems. They have to figure it all out. And every married person in this room knows exactly what I'm talking about. So what's the deal with that? So what does that season teach us? Here's what it teaches us. And that is because you think he's perfect and she's perfect, but they're not perfect. You can't trust you. This is good preaching right here. This is, you can't trust you. And that's why relationships fail because we've gotten it free from any supervision. It's my decision. Well, if you want a biblical one, you need to change that philosophy because love is blind. 
You think he's awesome, and he's not. In fact, I always encourage couples, when we were doing marriage counseling, and we do a bunch of that here at Highlands, we have such a young church, we do a lot of weddings. But if we're going to do the wedding, they go through a six-week premarital course uh, that we, we, you know, we're not going to do the wedding unless. And I tell the guys, I used to do it myself, but now my team does it. And I I just tell them, say, your job isn't to highlight what makes them great. It's to find the part where they disagree with each other because there's an area. There's, in fact, you need to be together long enough to see the imperfection. And then they, and I tried, when I used to do it, I used to try to get them mad at each other. I, I like, I try to break them up. I try to get them mad. At, and they're like, rah, 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 rah. and then they're getting ready to get married. And I go, can you marry that? Because if you can say I do to that, you're ready. Because that's what you're going to get. <laughs> Isn't that right? So, because see, listen, love, love is not about finding a perfect person. It's about seeing an imperfect person perfectly. Through the eyes of God. Yeah, it's a different mindset. And that's why, that's why you can't trust the season of perfection. So here's my advice. Write it down if you want to. You have your own notes today, okay? The first is I say limit your time. Limit the amount of time you spend alone with them. And the time you do spend, here's the, here's the policy in our household. I have five kids. A lot of you guys know that. And I've got one out of college, two in college, two in high school. So we're in this season right now. But I always said to them, I say, look, this, the, the, in this first season, when you think they're perfect, the worst thing you can do is for the two of you to go off alone. All bad things happen there. I, always, I tell my daughters, if somebody's interested in you, you have that young man call me and ask me if he can take you out. And then I'll ask you, baby, you want me to say yes or no? Yeah, daddy, I like him. All right, it's yes. Yep, you can take her out. Where y'all think you're going? He tells me, I said, no, it's not where you're going. You coming over to my house. Y'all's first date is at my house. What are you talking about, Pastor Chris? Yeah, you won't, you won't get to know me because I got to marry you too. I got to have a lot of Thanksgivings with you potentially. And so I got to make sure you all right. I'm going to spend some time with that brother. You know what I'm talking about, everybody? I'm gonna get, I want to I get close. And, and I say, and when you don't spend time with me, you're spending it in groups. We're not going to practice marriage before we get married. We're not going to do that. No, get in group settings. Protect yourself. Limit your time. Secondly, limit your talk. We're not going to have a whole lot of I love you's too early and have a lot of wounded hearts. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're reeling from failed relationships, marriages, and dating relationships. Some of you still or thinking about that first love. Still think about her. Still think about him. And that's why it's dangerous, wonderful feeling, wrong season. It should be fulfilled one day, but not too soon. So limit your talk and, of course, limit your touch. Limit your touch. One of my sons, just this past week, wanted to go. He's got a little girl he's interested in, and they wanted to go to a little event. I said, well, who all's there? And is it a group thing? Yes, sir. All right. I, this works for me. You can go hang out with her. And, and, and I said, look, you know, I want to get to know her too. And oh, Yes, sir. We're going to come by the house. We're going to hang out with y'all for a while. Yes, sounds great. And we've had this discussion. We had this discussion with every one of my kids when they turned 13 years old. I said, look, I just want to know if I have a place in your life. And if I don't, that's your call. I can't force that. But no one will love you more than me. No one will pray for you more than me. No one will cry for you more than me. No one will pay for you more than me. Nobody. 
So you're not going to come and bring somebody and say, hey, I need you to pony up for a wedding. No, I want to know that girl. I want to know that guy a little bit. I want to spend some, spend some time. And so he said, yes, sir, man, you, you're going to love her, dad. And I said, but what if I don't? He goes, it's over. It's over. I'll tell her tonight. It's over. I said, yes, sir, you my man. I love you, buddy. <laughs> and he was walking out, gave him a couple, a couple of twenties, let him go, go on his little date, you know, and little time out with, with this group. And, and I just went, da, 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 da. He goes, I know, can't touch this. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm no fool. She's going to be looking righteous, man. She's going to be putting it on, smelling good, looking good. She's going to work it up, right? He's in the season, but it's not the right season. It's, it's the right feeling. In the, he said, Daddy, right? He told me. He, he said it himself. He said, Daddy, right season, wrong time. He said, you're right, son. You got, you got it down. So you got to have these discussions if we're going to have some success. But I'll tell you this. Every person who's in love right now thinks they're in love with somebody you're not married to yet. You better not trust you because they're not as perfect as you think they are. Let's go to the next season. And that is in Song of Solomon chapter 2. It says, notice this, it says, and notice the seasonal talk. See, winter has passed. I want you to note with me that they highlighted the fact that they had spent winter together. Winter. You know what winter is? Winter's a time where you don't go outside much. Winter's a time where you focus on the inside. My first job was at 13 years old. On my first job, I worked at a, uh, at a nursery where they grew plants. And, our, and I used to sell fertilizers. And so I know a lot about that stuff because I did it for four years while I was in junior high and high school. I, I, I had a job. My dad insisted on it because he wanted to train me. And so today, to this day, I have a wonderful work ethic because dad told me, you need to go work. You need to pay for your own insurance and understand what that's like. Figure out how to study and make good grades and work at the same time because that's what the rest of your life is going to look like. I said, yes, sir, and it's one of the best things in my life now, all right? So I had this job, but I remember that, that there, there's three numbers on a fertilizer bag, and they have winterizer fertilizer. And the winterizer fertilizer doesn't focus on making the grass green. It focuses on making the roots strong. And the first step of this next season says, we got to have a winter season, well, we're not focusing on finding the right person. We're focusing on becoming the right person. We're going to focus on me. I'm going to get some things right. There's going to be a season where the, the, the winter happens and the rains are over. And, the, and then finally we can move when the rains are over and gone. Then flowers can appear on the earth. And the season of singing, that's like engagement. It's time to actually have that season fulfilled. I'm old enough now to where I, this, this can actually go somewhere. I'm a candidate for marriage the season of singing has come. The cooing of the doves is heard in our land. All right, so now they're saying we understand both winter and springtime. And he says, my dove in the clefts of the rock in the, notice this, she's talking to him here. He's in the hiding places. Why was he hiding? I'll tell you in just a second. He was on the mountainside and she's saying, all right, winter's over. I want to see your face. I want you to, I want you to hear my voice because your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Notice now we're not, he's not a stud and a stag and my mountain's leaping over the hills. She's understanding some character qualities of him because they understood a season that most people are completely eliminating and it's called the season of preparation. The season of preparation. That once again, back to my original case, 
But this is not the time to experience everything, drink everything, smoke everything, do everything, sleep with everything so you can know what you want. That's garbage. It's a time to say, this is the most serious time of my life and I need to prepare. In fact, how they would prepare is that the dad would go to the groom-to-be and say, okay, son, your first assignment before you get married is to build what was called a huppa. It's where we get the phrase, huppa, huppa, huppa. No, it's not where we get the phrase. I'm just kidding. It's, it's a huppa was his first house. And the dad would supervise him building this house. And if the groom was asked, when are you getting married? His answer would be, only my dad knows. Because his dad would inspect what he was building. And when his dad said, you're ready, then he could get married. That's where he was doing in the hiding place on the mountainside. He was in the season of preparation. Same thing, the woman, the the, the bride-to-be in this story, would be closely guarded by her mother. In fact, you want to hear something interesting? Even the friends would get involved. And their job was to protect these two from ever doing anything inappropriate. And so there was, a, there was a chorus of friends guarding this relationship to be. It's actually where we get the tradition to this day of bridesmaid and groomsmen. They were literally guards. And I think it's just ironic. It's almost, it's lost its meaning where we get all fired up about a row of people standing with us in tuxes and dresses. When I need you bridesmaids and you groomsmen to be fighting for your friends right now. And coming to them saying, no, 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 don't stay out that late. You're stay- get your sword out. They actually wore swords. No, 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 no. You know, no, no, y'all don't be alone. Don't do that. Come on, man, don't do that. Come, go out with us. You know that's, that's not going to be good for you. And instead of getting at home and, and just comparing notes like guys do in locker rooms and as girls do on Facebook and all that, why, why not protecting one another? No, 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 you're my friend. Don't go that far with him. Don't do that. So that when you stand there on the wedding day, you really are what you're called to be. And that is a groomsman and a bridesmaid who's protected that relationship. Good preaching. This is really good preaching. You might not like me when it's over. That's fine. I'm just going to say it. I'm a good guy, really. My name is Chris, and I'm your friend, okay? (laughs) So there would be three characteristics of this season of preparation. The first was standards were extremely high. And I maintain the, the lowest standards ever are in this season of 13 to 22. It's like, let her rip, baby. Go for it. And that's why we had this massive number of high school students that go to colleges and over 90% of them drink and get drunk in their freshman year. And we think that's like a rite of passage. And it's, it's dumb is what it is. And we encourage relationships at unsupervised and inappropriate ways. And we laugh at sitcoms on shows that show all of that. Like they know what they're talking about. No, they don't show you the, the sexually transmitted diseases or the pregnancies or the pain or the crying. 90% of the sex scenes on TV are out of marriage. Celebrated like it's cool. It's not. And it didn't work. It'd be fine if it works, but it's not working. It's not working at all. What would it look like if we said, you know what? This is precious. You know, when Tammy and I got married, her dad wrote a poem. That was read, and it was actually the giving away of the bride poem. So, it was, it, and it and it was called the painting. And he basically, the, the gist of this poem said, "I've been spending my whole life painting this this painting, 
And I was looking for someone who would respect the amount of time and work that went in to this painting. And in the poem, Tammy's dad said, I looked the world over and couldn't find someone who would treat it with the same appreciation that I had put into this painting every day, putting another brush stroke on until I found Chris. And I cried like a baby. This, this man's reading this to me at the giving away of the bride, understanding the value. I'm telling you, dads, I'm not trying to be ugly, but some of you would make it harder for a, a boy to use your car than to take out your daughter. Like if he had to take your Mercedes out, you're like, oh, come on, you coming in here. Come over here. All right, where are you going? How fast are you going to drive? You better not empty this tank. Better not get a scratch on this thing. Those are the same questions, sir, you should be asking every guy who takes your daughter out. You better not go too fast. I'll take you out. You get a scratch on this? My, my father-in-law took me to a cabin when Tammy and I were engaged just to go hang out a little bit. A little, little hunting cabin. And I'll never forget we were sitting in this cabin. He was poking the fire. And it was getting red hot at the end of it. And he just held that thing up. He goes, you know what? She ain't never been hit in her life. And you won't be the first. 27 years of marriage. I ain't laid a hand on her. Can I tell you all that? That's right. Because standards are supposed to be high. Not so loosey-goosey. Families were involved. Yeah, we get families involved. Well, Chris, I don't have a good family. Yes, you do. You got a church family. You come to your youth pastor. You get, you get your, your small group leader. You get people around you and say, man, we're going to get through this together. We're going we're gonna to weigh in all together. And, and I would just say, man, it's important. It's critically important to have someone else's opinion in the process. You involve people. Get families involved. And then access was conditional. Yeah, you can if. You can recite the Ten Commandments backwards. No, I'm just kidding. You can. You can have her. You can, you, you, you can go there. You can do this. But I'm not just going to turn it loose at any little thing. Are y'all following me at all out there today? I'm just saying it's time to come back to biblical standards if we want God kind of results. And I don't mind picking up the pieces. That's what I do. But I would love to protect this church, not just treat the statistic all the time. And I know we've got a lot of failure. I have it in my past. I'm, there's things that I'm ashamed of. And so that's why I say, let's just start from this day. Let the Lord give you a blank page. And this, let's just do better from here forward. Don't get all in condemnation. But something has to change, my friends. If we want God kind of results. Man, in the deepest part of my heart, I have a hope for every one of you. Your families, your lives. I ache. I'm on my face praying for you like you're my own kids. And everything in me just wishes you would just buy into God kind of ways and get God kind of results. And I don't want it for any other reason is I deeply care for you. I deeply care for you and want the best for you. We have to get a new mentality. And notice what Solomon finally speaks up in this story. He doesn't talk much. By the way, if you studied it, the amount of time that she speaks in Song of Solomon and he speaks, it, she speaks about four to one. And I'm just telling you guys, that's just about how she goes. All right, there, there you go. It's about four to one. He speaks up and this is what, notice what he says. He says, okay, honey, catch for us 
the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, the vineyards that are in bloom. Foxes would come in to the vineyard and before it budded out to full fruit, it would eat the blossoms or the baby fruit. And that means, by the way, what you exactly think it means. It's as graphic as you think that is. And again, I would just say, I love the fact that Solomon initiated it, which I put, we train our young men around here, by the way. We tell our young men, hey, the onus is on you. Yeah, both of you need to have a standard of purity, but we put it on you, sir. And I'll tell you guys, we are committed to developing our young men here at Church of the Highlands. We don't have a typical youth group. If you want balloon races and sugar cookies, you're at the wrong church. Okay, we do one big event a month. It'll have two, 3,000 people in this auditorium on every second Wednesday night of the month. But the rest of the time, it's events we call like core. We train them how to pray for an hour. It's two, three, 400 of them going on missions trips and learning a, a, a positive worldview and appreciating the wealth of America and understanding, you know, the signs of our times. And it's, it's events like our small groups where they, they're challenged. And I tell every young person, every especially young man, don't even go to a, just a fellowship group. Get in a group with a man who's 10, 20 years older than you and get in there. And I'm training the men. I'm going to train you more men. At our, at our men's retreat in April on how you can disciple younger men. I'm convinced this is a solution. You men ought to be leading small groups with a bunch of 20-somethings and say, let me show you how to balance a checkbook. Let me show you how to make a dollar. Let me show you how you go to work. Let me hold you accountable. Let me be one of the guys that's on your filter list of the, peop- of the four or five people, that, that software, that emails where you visited on the websites. Let's stay accountable. Let's be real. Let's be men. Let's develop because we're committed to it. Amen, everybody. I mean, come on. Catch the foxes. And that leads us to the last season I'm begging you to go after, and that is what's called the season of purity. It's the season of purity. It's the season of purity. It's where we say, man, I'm just going to, I'm going to hold to a standard. And let's just be real. Come on, let's not act like, it's like almost we're embarrassed to talk about it. Look, we all get tempted. And there's, a, there's statistics would say 60% of you men have struggled from time to time with internet pornography. Okay, okay. It's just a reality of our day. But why act like we all go holy, you know, I don't know. Oh, praise the Lord. Amen. You know, and just, we got all that going on. No, sir, go talk to another man and let's get accountable. Let's work it out. Man, let's just, let's just get it together. It's a reality of our generation. But we need to get into this season of purity. Because I tell you, on the other side of it, it's just, it's bliss. It's God wants to bless you. And his blessings are very real. They're very real. Not in your notes, but look at the rest of the story. Chapter 3, all night long on my bed, I look for the one my heart loves. She's talking again, by the way. I looked for him, but I could not find him. So she said, I will get up now and go about the city, though it's through its streets and squares, and I'm going to search for the one my heart loves. Where was he? He's building that huppa. He was preparing himself. So I looked for him, and I couldn't find him. And she says, the watchmen found me as they made their rounds in the city, and they said, have you seen the one my heart loves? I'm looking for him. Scarcely I had passed them when I found the one my heart loves, and I held him, and I would not let him go till I had brought him to mama's house. Isn't that interesting? Mama's house, to the room of the one who conceived me. A commitment. It's a commitment to purity. And I just encourage every one of you, 
just to listen to this, let the Holy Spirit speak to you on this, to adopt some principles, have some conversations. Let's be real. Let's do it right. And let us be Song of Solomon chapter 1. Let the fragrance of the young people in this church, let the fragrance of the college students in this church, let the fragrance of the marriages in this church come to the city of Auburn and Tuscaloosa and Montgomery and Birmingham where they go, how do you do that? And you say, I'm so glad you asked. It's the difference my God's made in my life. It's changed me. And then you get this little verse that shows up four times in the book of Song of Solomon. It was the last verse last week. It just so happens to be the last verse this week and you're going to see it two more times in the book. So which means it's pretty important. Song of Solomon chapter 3. Daughters of Jerusalem. So let me say it to you. Church of the Highlands. I charge you by the gazelles and by the does of the field. Do not arouse or awaken love. And this phrase means before it's season, before it's time. Don't go there yet. Right feeling. Get it in the right season. And you will be blessed. Can you say amen, everybody? All right, let's bow in prayer. God, thank you so much for this very important message. And I pray right now for every person who's hearing the devil speak to him or her. And you feel in the shame and the condemnation. And I just break it in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray, God, that you would give them hope. Thank you, God, for a fresh start in every person in this room. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want you to close your eyes and be very still for a minute. And we'll say some things to you. Because now it's our time to respond. Some of you need to respond today. You know, when Jesus caught that woman in adultery, he said two things to her. The first thing he said is, I do not condemn you. And I want you to hear loud and clear, we do not condemn you. We've all been there. Don't go there. Don't go that condemnation route. But the second thing that Jesus said was, it's time for you to leave your life of sin. And that means you need, do need to make some good choices from this day forward. I'm talking to grandparents, parents, uncles, aunts, friends, singles, young people. It's time to make some choices. Now, if you're in sin right now, you know it. You don't need me to tell you what it is. The Holy Spirit will convict you. But if you're in sin right now, All you need to do is acknowledge it and confess it, and the Lord will forgive you. You'll get a blank page. He doesn't just forget, he cleanses you from all unrighteousness. It's awesome. It's awesome. And that's available for you today. But then you need to leave this room and go make some changes. Some of you men in this room need to stop that relationship at work that's getting way too flirtatious. It's it's too close. Sir, you need to shut it down today. Some of you need to go ahead and become accountable to someone on the internet. There are programs that can help you do that. Some of you young people, singles, you're in a relationship where your standards are being compromised. Send them a text today and say, it's over. It's over. And let them have a winter season where they develop their character. And if God wants you to be with that person, God will restore that relationship. If God didn't want you, he'll go find him another girl. Over. Stop it. We don't condemn you. Be free. Be forgiven. 
But it's time to leave our life of sin too. We need to make some changes. Parents, you need to have some conversations. Couples, you need to talk to each other. And let's let God transform us by changing the way we think. Now, if you're here today and you say, Chris, I'm not in a right relationship with God. I'm talking to Christians and non-Christians here. Like, he's on my list, but he's not at the top of my list. Can I tell you, if he's not at the top of your list, he's not on your list. Salvation, what it really is, is reordering your life to reflect that Jesus is the priority relationship. So if he's just your Sunday God and he just shows up once in a while, trust me, he's not there at all. It's a facade. Salvation isn't joining this church. It's when you let Jesus be the priority relationship. And you do that by surrendering the control of your own life over to him. Now I want to pray for you right now. For those who say, Chris, I'm not in a right relationship with God. He's on the list, but he's not at the top and I'm ready to reorder it. And I'm ready to get some things right with God. And I want to make that decision today. We're not going to have you stand. We're not going to invite you to the front. I just want to lead you in a commitment prayer at all of our campuses right there where you are. But if that's you, I want you to be serious about it and make that decision. So decide right now in your heart. I'm going to ask you one time who in this room would say, it's not right. I'm ready to make it right. And I'm going to make Jesus the priority relationship and let him be the Lord of my life. For the first time or again, because he's just not there anymore. If that's you, be bold right now at every location, even online, if that's you, and lift your hand right now and say, that's me. Lift it up. Come on. We're going to say that prayer. So keep your eyes closed. And if that's you, you need to make Jesus the priority relationship of your life. Would you just raise your hand and say, I want to join you. I want to join you in a prayer. We're not going to ask you to come forward or stand up or single you out. Just quickly raise your hand so that I can see it and say, I want to make Jesus the priority relationship in my life today. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The prayer is simple. I'm going to give you three parts to the prayer, and then I want you to pray it on your own, in your own words. God can hear the thoughts of your heart. The first part of the prayer is just say, God, I want you to be number one in my life. I want you to be the most important thing in my life. I want to build my life around you. So in your own way, would you just invite God to take first place in your life right now? The second part of that prayer is forgiveness. We've all messed up. We've all blown it. So would you just say, God... Would you forgive me? And then the last part of that prayer is thank you. Would you just tell God this morning, thank you? Now you can look up for just a moment. If you prayed that prayer, I would encourage you to do one more thing on your own. On your connection card, there's two boxes. One says, I made a decision to put Christ first. The other says, I'm renewing my commitment to Christ. If you made either decision this morning, if you check one of those, you can drop it off in one of the tithe and offering boxes as you leave today. We want to connect with you and give you the tools to walk out the decision in your life. There's also these books outside that say, now what? It's a great question. What do I do next? This book will help you answer that question. As we leave today, I want to pray a prayer blessing over you as we close the service. And I want you to know that This series uh, we're in right now is not because my wife and I did everything right, because we did everything wrong. And we paid a heavy, heavy price and almost destroyed our marriage. And it's just the grace of God that we're still married today. And I never imagined I could do a series like this because of my past, because of the mistakes I've made. But I want so much better for you. 
And some of you understand the mistakes because you've made them too. And God's grace is sufficient to work through. Uh, it's, it's harder. It's harder when you've made the mistakes to really get your marriage to a healthy, godly place. You know, we've had to pay a price to get our marriage back. For those of you that have not made the mistakes, we want so much better for you. For the teenagers in the church, we want so much better for you. In a couple weeks, my wife is going to sit down with all the teenage girls and she's going to share her story and high school and her teenage years and the mistakes she made. And I'm going to sit down with the teenage guys and share my story with them and some of the mistakes I've made. Because we don't want them to follow our path. We want them to do things differently so they don't have to pay the price we had to pay. We want so much better for them. Stand with them as we close today. Father, in the name of Jesus, this series is so incredibly important right now to our generation, to our culture, to this time and season in the world we live in today. We need to understand godly relationships, and we need to reset ourselves to your word as the standard in our life because the world's way isn't working. It's not that it's just a different option. It's an option that's failing time and time again. There's failure, there's heartache, there's brokenness. So, Lord, we want to reset ourselves to your way because your way works. Your way is better. Your way is full of love and life and freedom, God. It's not a life of misery and slavery, God. When we do it your way, it's a life of freedom. It's a life of joy. It's a life of pleasure. Just so much better when we do it your way in every way, God. So let this series reset us and reprogram us to the standard of your word in our life. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Look forward to seeing you next week.